Testament. Uh, it's one of my favorite things to do in the last uh, 10 years that I've been here as a pastor. It's to baptize people, um, to publicly... publicly declare faith in Jesus Christ. And it's always an encouragement to me. Um, I'm always humbled by it. Um, and, uh, so excited that, um, yeah, that God has used this time in that way. And, uh, so, um, before I get into, I'm going to, I had a lot of background stuff to share and I was kind of thinking that this may go a little longer and I'm a okay with that. But, um, I mean the baptisms, not the service. We'll get you out of here on time. Um, but um, a lot of background stuff, and I'm going to skip over some of that. But before we get to the passage, Mark chapter 14, um, if you uh, have your Bibles and want to turn there, Mark chapter 14, and we'll get there in just a second. But I want to preview next week. Um, this is the uh, last week of our Mark My Word series. And it's been a great uh, last two months as we've kind of walked through the book of Mark, not, not chapter by chapter, verse by verse, but picking out some excerpts of Jesus' words throughout the book. Um, and next week, we're going we're gonna to change courses a little bit, and uh, we are going to embark on a four-week journey through hot buttons, okay? Current cultural conversations. And uh, I've, I've never been uh, more excited or nervous about a message series in my life. Um, we're going to talk about politics, we're going to talk about racism, we're going to talk about sexual identity, and we're going to talk about mental health, okay? That's going to be the next four weeks, and so we encourage you to come for that, invite your friends, um, say we got this really benign message, probably won't affect you at all. Um, <laughs> so... But we're obviously talking about, because these are all cultural conversations that we're having, right? But we're talking about them from a biblical perspective. How does God speak into these things um, that, that we as a society are having issues with, right? And so uh, we're going we're gonna to spend the next four weeks talking about that. Um, so I want to I wanna jump in. Um, it's actually near the end of my notes. Um, and it's where you're not going to miss any blanks on your outline, I promise. Um, but I want to I jump in, and we're in Mark chapter 14, and it's in verse um, 53, okay? Um, we are, uh, we're going to kind of skip to, there's, there's a bunch of stuff in this passage before Jesus um, speaks here. And he says basically one sentence in this passage in Mark, but it's a very, 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 very important sentence that Jesus says, okay? Um, so I wanna, I'm going to go ahead in... in uh, in my notes here, um, this is the, the verse where Jesus says he was asked by the high priest, okay, in verse uh, 61, at the end of 61. He said, again, the high priest asked him, are you the Messiah, the son of the blessed one? And Jesus says, I am. Okay? I don't know how, how much more plain you could get than that. There's people that say that Jesus never, uh, never claimed to be the son of God in Scripture, I'm not sure. I'm not certain how you how you get past this passage and others like it in Luke. I am, said Jesus, and you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of the Mighty One and coming on the clouds of heaven. His claim that he is the Son of Man was from a messianic prophecy from the Book of Daniel. Uh, messianic just means a, a prophecy about 
the Messiah, the coming Messiah. The Jewish leaders were familiar with this prophecy, and they would have known exactly that Jesus was claiming to be deity here. Here's here's the verse in Daniel. Um, This is Daniel talking. In my vision at night I looked, and there before me was one like a son of man. So he had the, the appearance of a human, okay? That's where that phrase comes from, the son of man, to describe Jesus. Coming with the clouds of heaven, he approached the ancient of days, God the Father, and was led into his presence. He was given authority, glory, and sovereign power. All nations and peoples of every language worshiped him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away, and his kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. The claim that Jesus made here in this verse, I am, I am the son of the blessed one. It was blasphemy according to Jewish law to claim that you were deity. It was blasphemy. And so the high priest jumped on it. He tore his clothes, right? In verse 63, the high priest tore his clothes. Why do we need any more witnesses, he asked. You have heard the blasphemy. What do you think? He tore his clothes, which was a symbol of grief and shock. In in this case, I think maybe it was a a bit of melodramatic self-righteous indignation, if you ask me. Because he, had, he was, had no attempt to be genuine in this. He just wanted Jesus gone. Then he gets the crowd riled up and they begin the violence. They all condemn him, the end of verse 64. They, they condemned him as worthy of death and some began to spit at him. They blindfolded him, struck him with their fists and said, prophesy. And the guards took him and beat him. Spitting, punching, blindfolding, beating. And then we get to the cross after that. I want to talk about the implications of Jesus' words here in verse 62 and the following result or the following actions, the thing that that happened to Jesus right after he said this. So in your notes, uh, in your half sheet, you can fill these in. Who is Jesus? Okay. I am, right? Are you the son of the most blessed one? Speaking of God, there was no denying who the high priest was asking about. And Jesus said, I am. And then he referred to himself as the son of man, which again, they would have taken to mean he is claiming to be God. Who is Jesus? He is God. And we see here, the right hand of the mighty one you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of the Mighty One. He has power. That was a position of power. When you sit at someone's right hand, you have the authority. They have given you the authority to work and act and judge on their behalf. He has power. And coming on the clouds of heaven, he will judge This is a phrase used when when God would intervene in human affairs to judge. He's coming on the clouds. Jesus was on trial here, right? The sham of a trial that Jesus was on. And Jesus kind of turned the tables with with this phrase that he said. You'll see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of the mighty one and coming on the clouds. Jesus is saying, I am the one that is going to judge. 
You can do with me whatever you want to do. But in the end, I will be the one that judges. And then afterwards, uh, we see that Jesus endured beatings, suffering like we can't imagine. We've detailed it probably many times here before from this stage. Talked about it at length, the physical suffering, the emotional suffering, the spiritual suffering that Jesus endured through all of this. So who is Jesus? We talked about several weeks ago too. If you want to be the greatest, if you want to be great, you got to become the servant of all. You have to choose to become a slave to what God desires that you do. What Jesus endured after this statement is all the proof we need to know that Jesus loves us. Right? It's all the proof that we need. He didn't do it for himself. He did it to serve humanity, including you and I. He is God. He has power. He will judge. And he loves each and every one of us. And I pray, if you hear nothing else this morning, I pray that you do not leave this room without understanding that fact. This Jesus that suffered so greatly loves you. So what is our response to him? What is our response to him? The first thing I want to talk about, because of what Jesus did, okay, because of who he is, power, and judgment, and he is deity. He's the son of God, and he loves you and I. We can be um, confident in our salvation, okay? Confident in salvation. I want to read this passage from 1 John, and this is the testimony. God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his son. Whoever has the son has eternal life. Whoever does not have the son of God does not have life. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. There is no other name under heaven by which men can be saved. It's only the name of Jesus. Spurgeon, Charles Spurgeon says that false accusations against Christ's character like he endured here in this trial... False accusations against his character mean no condemnation for me. What Jesus endured here and on the cross means that there's no condemnation for me if I am in Christ Jesus. When we submit our lives to Christ and his work on the cross, we have assurance of salvation because of him. We have assurance of salvation because of him. So we look at Jesus and who he is and what he did, and we can say, I can be confident that my faith in Jesus Christ and his work on the cross has given me eternal life. I can be confident of my salvation. The second thing that our response is to him is to be diligent to praise. Diligent to praise. Hebrews 13 says this, Through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise. Not just when we feel like it, not just when it's convenient, not just when other people may not laugh at us. Continually offer 
God, a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips that openly profess his name. It's what we just witnessed here, the six baptisms. People openly professing faith in Jesus Christ. And do not forget to do good and to share with others, for with such sacrifices, God is pleased. Praising God is more than words. We sing here. Maybe you listen to music on the radio. Maybe you, um, however it is that you spend time with God, however, however you uh, worship him in those quiet moments, or maybe it's loud moments, depending on what kind of music you listen to, right? But however you do that, that's part of worship. And whatever comes out of our lips, what does scripture say? What, what comes out of the mouth is, is what? The overflow of the heart. What's in the heart? And with the same lips, we praise God and curse God, and that, sh- that should not be, Scripture says. But it's not just about the words. It's not just about singing a song. Praise happens with our entire lives. The decisions that we make, the way we decide to use our time and our finances and the resources he's given us and the relationships that he's put us in, the way we spend time with people, the way we interact with people, every decision we make is an opportunity to praise God. We may not think in those terms, but we are constantly met with opportunities every single day, decisions that we make, some big, some small, from an earthly perspective. But every decision we make is an opportunity to glorify God. Our lives are a response to Jesus and his power and his suffering for us on our behalf. Is your life lived in praise of Jesus for who he is and what he's done? Or is your life lived in praise of you, in praise of what you want to do? Confident in salvation, and because we're confident in salvation, because of who he is, we should be diligent to praise. And the last one is this, willing to suffer. If you have somebody that is, that is uh, that's confident in their salvation and they're diligent in praising Jesus and they're willing to suffer, they don't, they don't necessarily pray for suffering, right? But they want to do what God wants them to do, whether or not their life goes good from an earthly perspective when they make that decision or not. They're responding to Jesus. When you have somebody that is confident in that and that is diligent to praise and is willing to suffer... What an impact that person or those people can have on the world around them, in their community, in their neighborhood, at their jobs, at their schools. 1 Peter 4 says this, Therefore, since Christ suffered in his body, arm yourselves also with the same attitude. What was the attitude of Jesus? Philippians 2. It was a five through eight, I think. Our mindset should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, didn't consider equality God, equality with God, um, something to be strived for, but he humbled himself 
taking the very nature of a, of a servant, and he became obedient to death, even death on a cross. That's the mindset that we are to have. Christ suffered for us on this earth, and we are to arm ourselves with that same attitude because whoever suffers in the body is done with sin. As a result, they do not live the rest of their earthly lives for evil human desires, but rather for the will of God. If they hit Jesus, the odds are pretty good they're going to hit his followers, right? If they mock Jesus, the odds are pretty good they're going to mock his followers. Sometimes we say to Jesus, thanks for your sacrifice for me. Thanks for loving me. Now please make my life pain-free. You might not say those words, (laughs) But we, we, we pray like that a lot of times. We, we expect that. God, what are you doing? I'm following you. Why am I having these problems? Jesus was following his father. You think he, he was pain-free? Nope. He never promises us a pain-free life. I think the reason that we're hesitant to talk to people about Jesus is this very point is we are just not willing to suffer. We get nervous. We get scared. What if they laugh at me? What if they reject me? And I'm not mocking those things because I have those thoughts too, okay? So don't hear me mocking that. But there's a couple people that said similar things in their baptism testimonies. When we look at Jesus and we look at the cross and we look at his suffering for us, we should be willing to do whatever it is that he asks us to do. We hold on to things in our lives like this, like with this death grip. God, you're not going to take this away from me. God, my comfort is too important to me. I am not about to go talk to that person. Do you know what that's going to mean for my job? Do you know what that's going to mean for my relationship or my status at school or my whatever it may be that you're trying to hold on to? I think Mindy said she tries to reason her way out of everything with God. And that that was a comment I think a lot of us can relate to. Are you willing to suffer for Jesus when you look at what he has done and what he has suffered for you. Jesus is God. You will see the Son of Man, a a direct reference to being deity, sitting at the right hand of the Mighty One. He has ultimate power and coming on the clouds of heaven, ultimate judgment. He could have snapped a finger and stopped every earthly pain that he ever had. He could have called the angels down. Satan tempted him to do that, remember? But he was obedient to the Father. And he loved you and I. So that you and I might have an opportunity at life to pass from death to life. And so as we look at this uh, verse, as we close our, our series, 
Again, the high priest asked him, are you the Messiah, the son of the blessed one? I am, said Jesus. I am. And you will see the son of man sitting at the right hand of the mighty one and coming on the clouds of heaven. We might read that verse and we may, some of that, that phrasing may not make sense to us, but just understand that that sentence that Jesus spoke was a very, very powerful sentence and they knew exactly what he was talking about and they sent him to the cross anyway. I want to urge you today in in light of the testimonies that we saw today, I know you guys were encouraged, celebrated it. I didn't think you were going to stop clapping, but I love it. Baptisms are, are serious. It's a serious moment, but it is not somber. It's a celebration when people declare faith in Christ. Jesus claimed here to be the Son of God. He claimed to be deity. And that demands a response from us. Many of you have made that decision, made that response. And you said, I am all in. I know who Jesus is. I know what he's done. I know what he suffered for me. And I know that without him, I I have zero hope, zero options for life. He might sustain me, right? If I don't trust in him, he's going to sustain my breathing through common grace that he gives everybody here on earth. But if I don't put my faith in him and trust that his work on the cross is enough to save me from my sin and make him savior of my life and also make him Lord of my life. So I can say, Jesus, whatever it is that you want me to do, I'm going to do it. You're calling the shots. You're running the show. It is your life that I want to live for, not my own. Church, if you have never done that, I pray that today's your day. And if you have done that, if you've trusted Christ, and yet there are things in your life that you know you're not willing to suffer for the sake of Christ, you're not willing to give it up. I pray that you would make that choice this morning to do whatever it is that he's asked you to do. The Son of God with ultimate power and ultimate judgment and ultimate love for you to give you life. I'm going to have the band come up. We're going to sing one more song as we close today. It's one of my favorite songs. I know you all know it. Unless you're a first-time visitor, and then you may not know it, but trust me, it's an awesome song. I want to pray before they start. Jesus, um, Thank you for your grace. Lord, I pray that, uh, that, that uh, my rushed words this morning would be your words. And that they would penetrate hearts and minds this morning. That we would not leave here without even... Uh, without clearly understanding who it is that you are and what you have asked of us. And Lord, I pray if there's anybody here that has not made a decision to follow Jesus Christ, God, that your spirit would penetrate their heart right now.
You would help them to understand. You would open their eyes to see that there is no hope and no life without the person of Jesus Christ as their Savior. The once and for all sacrifice, the lamb led to slaughter, the sinless servant who died for you and I. Our good works cannot make up for the even the most mundane of sin that we've done in our life because our imperfection cannot mix with your perfection. And so, Lord, you have, um, you have given us an opportunity to come out of the grave into life with you. God, I pray that we would not let today pass without making that a priority in our lives, to trust you as Lord and Savior. Thanks for your grace. Thanks for loving us.